This is Father's Day, of course, and so we want to honor the fathers and all the men in the house. We want to honor your fathers, whether they're here uh, on earth or not on earth, with you or not with you. And we want to honor those who are going to be fathers. So it's, it's a vast universe of people. And most of all, we want to honor our Father in heaven. You know, yes, give him a hand, would you please? There was one time that I was in um, Africa. I was in Kenya at our headquarters there, and this was in the early days in, uh, with uh, now he's our bishop, Vin, uh, Bishop Vincent Mondeo. Let's say hi to, to Bishop. He's watching, and he sent me a Father's Day greeting early this morning to our spiritual son there. And uh, I was about to release a teaching about the Father, because what I found out was that many of the Christians and the new Christians there knew who Jesus was, and they had a relationship with Jesus, but they really had no relationship with the Father. And I found out that that's a little uh, uh, endemic throughout Christianity sometimes, that we are as we should be, there's no way under the Father but through the Son, that we constantly and are overwhelmed with Jesus as we should be, but sometimes underwhelmed with the Father. And what happened there was that I simply began to open up, just as I am now, and talking about the Father and how good it is to have a relationship with the Father and how fulfilling it is to know the Father. And uh, as I was just about to start, I said, you know, let's just say a prayer that we all know, and that prayer is, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, help me, thy kingdom come, and will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. This not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We didn't get that far. We got to the point that said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let thy kingdom come here on earth that it is in heaven. And the power of the Father hit 3,000 people. And in short minutes, we were on our knees, and then we couldn't stay on our knees any longer. We were on our faces. And there was a baptism in the Father. Now, that's not often spoken of. But yet, Christ told us to go and baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so we understand the baptism that accepts Jesus as Lord and our conversion, and we understand the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but very too little is spoken about the baptism in the Father, but yet everything that Christ did pointed to the Father. Everything He did pointed to the Father. It's very interesting that the revelation of the Father didn't come full circle to people on earth until Christ came. Nobody knew how to get to the Father. And even in what you would refer to as the Old Testament, the Law and the Prophets, there's really only about 10 mentions of God as Father. 
in that part of the whole scriptures. But yet there's hundreds of mentions of God as Father. And Christ constantly referred to him as Father. There's a special anointing that comes in the relationship with the Father. And that anointing passes on to fatherhood here on earth. We understand that without a father, there is no family. That's a fact. Without a father, there is no family. One of my favorite books of all times uh, was written by E.W. Kenyon before the turn of the century, the in about 1890 or 1900, right around there. And the book was somewhat, at that time, very revealing. He went further than many had gone, and he called it the father and his family. And what we understand is that the entire course of what the father did in creation was to create something for his family. He, first of all, we know that the earth was already there. How many of you know that? When Scripture started in Genesis 1, the earth was there, but it was void. And it said the Holy Spirit hovered over the earth and it brought forth life. And then the Lord began to speak. And as he spoke, every word that he spoke happened just as it did. And we understand that there were probably many fish, that fishes or fish, however you want to say it, that were populated at once, and many four-legged beasts, and many birds in the air, and the vegetable kingdom came forth, and the plant kingdom came forth, and he spoke it into being, but there was one species that he only created one man of at first, and that is the human race, the human species. And he'd said so that this man was to be created in the plural Elohim in the Hebrew, our image. And so we get a glimpse that it was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost that somehow, some way, mysteriously created this first man, Adam, out of the earth. And then God breathed his breath into him. He blew his breath, called the nefesh in Hebrew, the fresh breath of God the life source of the Father was breathed into the Father of the human race. And today, that same life force is at work in the fathers of the human race. Unfortunately, oftentimes, not activated and not understood. And so, we see that the Father went through all of this creation, business, to create one man in his image. Now in the Psalms it tells us that man is created a little beneath, we thought it said in Psalms 8, the angels, but actually that word is the same word that's used for God in Genesis. And so man is not created just beneath a little of the angels. He's created, listen to this, just beneath Father God himself, a little lower. That means that the potential and fullness of man, species man, is the abundance of the Father. And 
Jesus Christ said that I have come, Father, in John 17, I have come, Lord, that they might be one, even as we are one, you and me, and me and you, and we and them. He came to redeem the Father's family and to present it back to the Father, the Father and his family. So fatherhood is the most extreme manifestation of the love of Father God that we know here on earth. We'll deal with some of the fractures of that in a moment, but right now I'd like you to just allow yourselves to just be saturated and to embellish the fact that you are so special. And so God looked upon Adam, it says, and he saw that he was lonely, that his relationship with spirit God was not enough for him because he was spirit of God contained in a flesh that was intended by the way to be forever with an eternal life, no time limit. That word mortal or immortal didn't happen until the fallen sin because mortal in itself implies of death or not of death. But Adam didn't have that in his system and neither do you and I when we totally embellish the Father. And so Genesis 1.26, the one that opens our eyes and our hearts to the fact that God created Man in his image, both male and female, he created them. And in his likeness. And he said, let them have dominion over everything. Now, very interesting that just this past week on Monday, some of you got alarmed, some of you saw it, some of you may not have. Some have written about it already, some haven't. But what is supposed to be the Supreme Court of this country got it wrong when it comes down to God's creation. You see, it's no one's right to choose their gender. Sex isn't about gender affiliation. Sex isn't about deciding how you feel you should be. God created both male and female in His image. And yet he made them separate, but yet he made them as one. When they come together as one. But the Bostic versus Clayton ruling that came out is a surprise, but somewhat not shocking. Applied to the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Could you believe that? To the 1964 Civil Rights Act, which had all to do about the sexual gender of people, male and female. It had nothing to do about transgender. It had nothing to do about a sexless person or somebody choosing it. It got extended there and said there's a civil right that goes to there and that because of that for employment and somewhat justified and somewhat not that you cannot make a choice of who you employ. Very interesting that the LGBTQ community immediately came out, and as you would expect, they were joyful and happy about that victory, but they said this is only the beginning. They said, how about religious affiliations? Should it not be that a religion cannot mandate that it will not acknowledge 
that a male became a female or a female became a male or that it's a new sex gender completely called transgender. And so I'm telling you, I'm warning you, I am as certain as I'm standing here that the church and the faith is about to be attacked in the courts. And there's going to try to be an imposition to accept that which is against the heart of the Father. The Father showed His love in His image and created both male and female. If God wanted it to be differently, He would have done it differently. And there was an expression of it. What I want to share with you is that I do believe there is a systemic race problem in the world. And that systemic race problem is at the ultimate source, the one who calls himself the great Satan. <laughs> the one who calls himself the devil. The one who was a son of God and fell. And yes, he's an anarchist. And yes, his entire plan from the moment that God created Adam and Eve was to bring dysfunction into the father and his family. And he's still working very hard at it. And unfortunately, somewhat successfully at it. You see, at the end of the day, when our eyes finally get open and we're in that eternal place, and wherever it is, some headed to eternal life in heaven, some headed to eternal hell. Both are real. Most people don't preach about it anymore, but it's very real. Souls, that's what Jesus is all about, is redemption. Then we will all see how cunning this master plot is by this great conspirator called Satan. We will see how he uses those sons of tares that Christ himself called out of the evil one. People that willingly or ignorantly do the, the will of their father, who is the father of lies, and even though they don't know it. And so we find divisions and clashes, and it's nothing new, but it's always painful. It's always painful to have to experience injustice. Injustice is real. Injustice needs to have a voice. Injustice needs to be spoken out against. But we don't perform injustice in the cause of injustice. We have to be careful about the things that we say and the things that we do. And, and we have to understand that especially there are generations today who have a real heart for the things to be right. And there are things that desperately need to be corrected in this country and around the world and beloved in the body of Christ. One of the greatest separation walls there is is in the Christian body of Christ. And somehow it finds itself affiliated with political parties instead of what are the causes and assignments of God. And so churches divide and denominations divide and the body of Christ divides upon what side does it sit in the political spectrum instead of where is God in this? I'm going to say this publicly and I'm sure it'll get picked up, but I want you to understand my heart.
When I really delved into my Jewish background and really began to practice my Jewish faith with all that I had in the temple, those words resonated in my ears from one of the ladies that was there who had the numbers in her arm from the Holocaust. She was a survivor. And there was a couple men there, the Gross brothers who've since passed on, they were both survivors. And the one had the numbers in his arm. And I remember them on show day when we would stand up and remember that the words that were emblazoned into our heart and into our souls was never forget. But not to never forgive, but to never forget. And to this day, when a young Jewish boy is bar mitzvahed or a young Jewish girl is bas mitzvahed, one of the things that you, you learn and that you embellish and you understand is to never forget, never forget the atrocity of the Holocaust, which was terrible. One third of the Jewish race within the world was wiped out. People were dislocated. Families were lost, never to be found. Painful. Painful. We have to be careful about how we align ourselves with causes. We have to choose the grace of God in what we do and not be afraid to, to have a voice and to say, yes, that is wrong. It is wrong for somebody to be pulled over and to be fearful because of their color. That's wrong. That's as wrong as it can get. And we must stand up and say, that's wrong. But we also must be those who lead our children and lead people in the right way to do things. The reason I share the Jewish Holocaust background with you is that there's one slogan that's right now, and I believe it's ignorant by most people, but I think there's a few who were able to infuse it into the, the Black Lives Matter cause and the different causes that are coming forth in it, and it shudders me. It makes me shake. It doesn't cause me fear, but it causes me to wonder how lost we've become at times, and that one is no peace, no justice. Do you know where that came from? Do you know who's the author of that? Louis Farrakhan, the one who said all Jews need to be eliminated. The one who said Jews are dogs. The one who said Hitler's a good man. So can you imagine what I hear when I hear no peace, no cause, no justice? Do you see what I hear? But at the same time, then we have people that are insensitive to, to what matters to somebody of a color who has to hear tropisms that are insensitive to the generational pains and agonies. And what I find to be the most concerning thing at all is many stand up on all sides of the equation and they say, we need to have a good discussion but when one or the other takes a side in the discussion, the discussion ends and fingers point. Do you know why? 
Because God isn't in the discussion. Do you know why Martin Luther King was so successful even in his death? Because God was always in the discussion. We have to put God in the middle of it all. Beloved, the heart of the Father on Father's Day is that God loves everyone that he has created. And truly, as my beloved sister, Alveda King, has cried out, it's one blood, one blood, one God, one Father, one human race, one peace, Jesus Christ. So on Father's Day, a day when, as we rightfully should, we celebrate fatherhood, it's a wonderful thing. It's, it's, fatherhood is, is the heart of God himself. Might we make one covenant with our Father in heaven, and that is that, Father, we won't relent to be a voice and an advocate of, of, of inserting you into everything that we do and, and looking to you for the answer and then acting with you in that answer. Pain is real. Beloved, pain is real. Don't ignore the pains of people because you don't like some of the manifestations of what happens. And look at the spirit that's behind what goes on. I thought it would be interesting to compare a few things. I thought it would be interesting to, first of all, Reclaim God as our Father. You might be struggling right now. The relationship with your own Father may not have existed. It might have been distant. Or it might not have been a good experience. You could have been sinned against harshness, lovelessness, abandonment, even perhaps physical or sexual abuse. But coming to terms with our own fathers is essential to our physiological health and our maturity, even though sometimes it is oh so hard and almost impossible from a human standpoint. But I would think that Father and child relationships in the time of Jesus were no different, really. I think it's well known that fathers in that day assumed that it was their legal right to beat their wives and their children, and oftentimes to reject children that weren't their heirs. Yes, it's even more so in our own day. So do you ask the question, why does Jesus so strongly talk to us about his Father? Well, there's two reasons that I could think of. First of all, he lets us understand the relationship of Jesus to God and his own divine nature. Because 
Had we not understood that he was the Son of God, then we would have tried to make it only a theological context or otherwise would have lost it. But also, I believe more so that Jesus was committed and is committed to heal and bring a wholeness to both men and women who have been wounded by their human fathers. He's trying to help us to know that there's a Father in heaven who will never do us any harm. He's trying to help us to know that there's a Father in heaven who will never slap us around. He wants us to know that there's a Father in heaven who will always put his arms around us and love us. My friend, this morning Jesus wants to reintroduce you to your Father in heaven so that you might be whole, spiritually and emotionally, but also so that you can reclaim your birthright. You have a birthright. And the enemy of your soul attempts to steal that birthright from us by the absence of a father. And whether that father was successful or unsuccessful in his relationship for you as a child, it doesn't matter in the sense of your birthright. That birthright is yours. And that birthright is that Abba, Father, is your daddy. No one can take that away from you or from me. I find, especially as we extend ourselves out beyond these walls to other churches and to other places and to other people that I am constantly inquired of by those that are looking to find somebody to be a spiritual father. And how fast they'll write to you or call you and say, Father, Dad. It's because the heart of each and every person that's created is crying out, Abba, Father. Romans told us so clearly that each and every one of us in Romans 8, that we have a a yearning deep inside of our spirit, inside of our soul, that's calling to be reunified with the Father in heaven, not to be separated from sin anymore. And if there is a voice that we could hear from someone who's lost and doesn't know the Father through Jesus, that voice would be crying out, Abba, 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 Daddy, Abba, Abba. There's not a person born who's not yearning deep in their spirit to know the Father in heaven. The tragedy is that not all do and not all shall. So, how do we process this quest for God? I thought one of the things to do would be interesting is to contrast two names. One, the name of the Father as compared to the name of the evil one. You know, we understand the character of both of them through the names that they are identified with in Scripture, don't we? 
And something happens when we proclaim the names of the Lord in this house. Oftentimes we do. And we set the banners up and declare His name as being the name that He's revealed for Himself. And God moves in that name. And His Word says that wherever you establish my name in that place, I shall be. And however you establish me, that's who I shall be if that is my name. And so His names are a roadmap for us to understand who He is. And the very first name, as I just discussed with you, that we understand is Elohim or Elohe as it is, and it's used throughout the Old Testament thousands of times. But it comes from a Hebrew root meaning strength, meaning power. And oftentimes it's characteristic of being plural, the fullness of God Himself. And so there's a mystery that's uncovered in that name. Elohe Kadem would be the God of the beginning. Elohe Mishpat would be God of justice. People are looking for justice. Wouldn't it be wonderful if our chant and our cry was Elohe Mishpat, God of justice, God of justice. Or Elohe Silichat, God of forgiveness. Elohe Marom, God of heights. Elohe Michrav. God who's near, Elohe Motsi, God of my strength, Elohe Tihilati, God of my praise, Elohe Yishi, God of my salvation, Elohim Kedoshim, Holy God, Elohim Kayim, Living God, Elohe Elohim, God of gods. So many names for God Almighty that He's revealed to us, the Lord our Sovereign, Adonai, El Elyon, the Lord Most High, El Olam, the everlasting God, El Shaddai, the God is sufficient for all of our needs. This allows us to see the heart of the Father. The Lord our healer, Jehovah Rafika. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our banner. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. The Lord our sanctifier, the Lord of hosts, the Lord is present, the Lord our shepherd, our shepherd, the Lord our maker, the Lord our God. And the one that I love the most, simply Abba. Abba Father. Abba. And almost certainly, when Jesus spoke of the Father to the crowds, in Aramaic, which was his spoken language. In the temple, it was Hebrew, but when he was in public, it was Aramaic. And that word is Abbas, Abba. Oh, I've shared with you before, and it just delights my spirit that when I go to Israel, and you're walking, and you see a, a family, a father with his children, and the children are running after him, and they're yelling, Abi, Abi, Abi. My spirit just lights up, and I find myself crying out, Abi, 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 Daddy. That's who he is to us. He's the father we don't have now on earth, and he's the father you may not have had on earth. He's the father who is the fullness of everything you would expect to be, and he's the father that teaches us as fathers how to be fathers. 
how to forgive when it's hard to forgive. How to remember the best of our children in spite of the things that we go through. How to find forgiveness for ourselves when we fall short. And how to love with the love of the Father when we don't know how we ought to love. The fullness of the Father is the blessing of fatherhood. Can you imagine how often Jesus wished that he could have just imparted the love of the Father that that he had in him as divine nature to everyone that he spoke to? When he spoke to the hypocrites, he said, you don't even know who your father is. Your father's the devil. You're not serving my father. I know my father. I've seen my father. What he says, I say to you. What I've seen, I share with you. My father has many mansions that he's preparing for you. And then James gives us this revelation that Jesus, who is in the bosom of the father, when he returned into the heavenly place, yes, we get this image of him on a, on a big throne sitting at the right hand of the Father because that's the hand of authority and righteousness. And maybe that's the way it is there. I don't know. Someday I'll know. But this I do know as a spirit. He's in the bosom of the Father. He's in the very heart of the Father. Sonship. And that's neither... That's not gender specific. That's both male and female. Sonship is in the heart of the Father. Because Christ said, I've come to make you one with me and the Father. If we could just reach beyond our circumstances, our hurts, our harms, our fears. Get beyond where we try to position ourselves and put up defenses to, to hide wounds and agonies and pains and the fears that come with lost fatherhood. If we could just reach behind it and rest in that place of the bosom of the Father, I assure you there's no place for any of those fears. They will go and diminish quickly. Quickly. When I transitioned, as I say, out of Judaism in the strict orthodox sense and into messianism, into Christian understanding and into Jesus. It wasn't a good time for me. And I remember I would listen to people and hear their testimonies, how they found Jesus and everything got wonderful. And I said, man, I found Jesus and everything fell apart. How they found Jesus and got healed, how they found Jesus and they got a job, how they found Jesus and they were able to forgive, how they found Jesus and they were reconciled with their wife, their child, their family, how they found Jesus and put on the right path and wow. I said, I must have a different Jesus. I know he's the one, but that's not working for me that way. I had the absolute different. I lost everything. Quickly. I was thrown out of the temple. They couldn't get me out the door fast enough. 
because I was talking about Hamashiach. I had a court order put on me not to see my daughter. I couldn't see my child. The only thing that was left, a possession I thought nobody could take from me, my child. Because I said I was hearing from God and somebody in the Jewish community went to the judge and said, what if God tells him to sacrifice his child? So there was a court order put on me. You can't see your child. All my accounts, I had a janitorial company. They began to send me notices. Your services are no longer wanted. I found myself sheltered almost a full year in a house on Selma Avenue on the north side of Youngstown. I had one relationship every day. Abba. 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 Abi. And I have to tell you, it broke me. I understand being broken. I understand being broken and still believing God, but still being broken. I understand it. It broke me. And I finally said, I can't live like this anymore. I don't have any fellowship. I don't have any friends. I don't have my family. I don't have, I'm sort of like an outcast. I'm sort of alone here. I don't understand this Christian faith. I hear too much heresy, too much hypocrisy. They're saying things that aren't true. I was going through that whole name it and claim it thing. My spirit wouldn't receive it. So I said, I'm going to sin. I said, God, I'm telling you, I'm going to sin. He was quiet. I expected him to slap me or do something or talk me out of it. He was totally quiet. God, I'm going to sin. I'm going out to sin. You hear me? So what do you think I did? I went out and sinned. And I sinned more and I sinned more and I sinned more. And the Spirit of God inside of me continued to work and it got a little dry and a little more dry and a little more dry. <laughs> Two ladies from the Messianic congregation that I helped to find, they wouldn't give up on me. They'd come to my door on Friday before they went to Shabbat service to try to get me out. I'd see him come and I'd close the blind, I'd hide. I'd wait until they went away and then I'd go out. I'll show you. I'm done. I'm done with this. It doesn't work. The pain is too much. I'm going to kill my pain. But finally they prevailed. And as I was sitting there in the guile of my sin and in my self-pity and lost, knowing that this wasn't the way of truth, I opened the door on a Friday at 5 o'clock. They said, Frank, we've come to pick you up. I said, give me five minutes. And I went there. 
I got on my knees. I poured myself out to the Father. And this is what showed me the love of the Father. This was it. I said, Lord, I know I don't deserve anything now. I know that the calling you gave me, I have not honored. I expect none of your promises are owed or I deserve them anymore, but I don't care. All I want to do is to know that you took me back. And this is what he said to me resonated in my spirit and in my heart. Son, call me son. Welcome home. I love you. That was it. That's how I found the love of God, was that he took me back in my lowest moments when I didn't deserve it when I couldn't earn it, and when I was desperate. That's how much the Father loves you. Doesn't matter what you've done or who you are. Doesn't matter what you do. It's true. The Word of God is true. He shall never leave you nor forsake you. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing in heaven, nothing on earth, nothing under the earth. God will not let go. So. my uh, daughter Mikkel and Joe and little Joey and Ava here Zach's out of town <sighs> oftentimes when I try to envision what it's like to be in the arms of the father <laughs> I envision Mikkel as a little girl she was the, the first one with Laura Lee and I and so just as soon as she could walk, which was pretty soon, she jumped out of the crib when she was eight months old. A maniac. She, uh, not long there, she would crawl up on my lap. I don't care if you're male or female, how many of you just, ooh, when that baby crawls up on your lap. And somehow or some way, she always got attracted to this ear. She's left-handed. And she would sit there for the longest time, and I would just ooze and allow her to go as long as she wished. And she would just tug on my ear, roll my ear, play with my ear. And it didn't matter what I came home from that day. It all began to fade away. 
because the love of the Father overcame it all. Your Father has you in His arms right now. He's playing with your ear. He's pulling and getting your attention and saying, I love you. I got you. I got you. I got you. Before I pray for the love of the Father to pour out upon this house and all of us, even though he's already moving in his spirit, I'd like to invite anybody here or that's watching us to consider to make this a very special Father's Day. How nice would it be to mark it on your calendar, Father's Day, the year 2020 was the day that I ran into the Father's arms. This is the day that I said, okay, let's do it. If that's you and you're feeling it, I'm not going to make a spectacle of anybody even though I'm all for public witnesses of salvation I'm okay with that but I'm also okay with it being between you and God mine was between me and the Father it was special nobody paraded me around nobody put a notch on their belt and said there's one more soul it was me and the Father I'll never forget the day what happened in my heart and my spirit 40 years ago, hard to believe, 40 years ago, (laughs) what would I have done without him? I'll tell you one thing, I wouldn't be alive today, I know that, not physically and not spiritually. I wouldn't be here, not for where I was headed and what I was doing. So if that's you, I'd like to invite everybody to bow your heads and to close your eyes. Please do. And I'd like you to just say this real simple. And then I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Every every head bowed, every eye closed, please. Just ask this one thing. God, is today my day with you? Just ask him. I'll bet you feel something right away. Because whomsoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if that's you, and you're in this house, or you're online, and you say, I've never asked the Lord into my heart, or if I did, it didn't work, or I didn't know it, or I want to come back now. I want to recommit myself and just take me like I am, and I don't want to get religious. I just want God, and I want to open my heart. If that's you, every head bowed every eye closed. I'd just like you to put up your arm very quickly. Just put it up quickly. Wherever you're at, yes, I see you. Yes, I see you. And I feel you online, yes. It's not for my benefit. It's just a way that we humble ourselves and surrender a little bit. Now I'd like 
you to pray with me, if you would, please. Heavenly Father, I believe that you are God and that you are my Father in heaven. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. And he came on earth in the flesh, but God. He died on the cross for my sins. He was a just man who had never sinned, but yet he took my sins. He descended into hell and paid the price for my sins. He rose on the third day, and then he ascended into heaven. And by his blood, shed on Calvary, my sins are forgiven. Father, forgive me. Jesus, save me. Holy Spirit, Come into my life. Lead me. And Father, never, ever let me go. In Jesus' name.